Welcome to the Gaming Trend Podcast, the official podcast of GamingTrend.com. My name is Anthony Shelton, and I am joined by David Burdett. Phase up. <laughs> if I could leave right now, I would. Leave. Wearing the jersey, boy. You, you can. You can You can cut off your, your webcam. Absolutely. <laughs> I'll take my computer again. I'll be gone. <laughs> <laughs> and Noah Rigsby. Yeah, I'm here with, with Phase Boyd. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> Unfortunately, come on, boy. Sounds like a, it's a phase boy. <laughs> Sounds like a kindergarten insult. Jersey gonna be with that simp. You got the glasses. I've, to match. I've got the glasses. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I wear these are my daily glasses, though, admittedly. So fair. All right. Well, besides phase in this podcast, we talk about the latest games we could get our hands on. We talk about games in our backlog we should have played a long time ago and games you absolutely need to play. We also squeeze in news this week. I'll be honest. It's there wasn't little, much. It's a little bit like nothing It's pretty quiet. <laughs> a little thin. You know, the, the video game gods did not give us anything to work with this week. So we are going to make something to work with. We are going to bake our cake. So not a bunch of news, not a bunch of games, but we're going to try a few things this week. A few, a few of our own inventions this week. But David can take us through two games. Uh, he played being Chia and Pavlov. So let's just get started with uh, one of those. David, I will let you choose which one you want to start with. Yeah, we're going to go ahead and start with Chia. Uh, Chia, as of the airing of this podcast, we should be able to talk fully about this. Review should be just going live on GamingTrend.com. And you know what? Chia is a whole lot of fun. I think we discussed a little bit of Chia when it came to like the preview time with kind of how it plays, all these different things about it. It's the biggest thing right off the bat. This game is beautiful. It, it looks gorgeous. Uh, everything about it, like the the characters, they're cartoony, but it's in that lovable, like specific art style where it's it, it you just really enjoy the way that it looks. But then the the actual environments look really good too like the the mountains the the hills the the valleys the ocean especially looks just fantastic with the light shining down on it uh the the only area that i even went to that i was like man this just doesn't look as good is there's there is a city area that's in the game and it's a lot more bare bones and you, you can tell just not there's not as much attention to detail that's being able to be placed into it as this is a a more of a in, is just an indie game. So what what they're accomplishing already in this game, though, is just, I mean, you can see it just on the screen from the way this is opening up. Uh, if you're watching the podcast, it's, it's just pretty to look at. Um, <coughs> there are not enough games out there that you can kind of just chill when you're playing. And Chia is a game where you can just chill while you're playing it. There's not a lot of enemies that you go around fighting on this island there's there's not a lot of combat uh it, it, it's more just about exploring and enjoying yourself even when you're in these combat encounters they're very quick and and very simple encounters that you have so most of what you're doing is exploring there's some minor platforming puzzle solving that you'll have to do but a lot of it it's it's kind of like if you took if if you took breath of the wild and Wind Waker and kind of mashed them up together is a good way of putting this because it's that cartoony art style, that more chill look, but with this 
more open exploration that you can do because it's it's got the old stamina meter. Uh, you can climb everything. You can glide around all the some several mechanics that you're going to remember. I really like the the physics engine that they've got in this one because one of the things I ended up learning. Everybody knows that when I play a video game, I love sliding around. And in Chia, there is a slide mechanic. Now, you can't slide uphill. But boy, you get to one of these mountains <laughs> and you got a nice incline and you hit the slide. I mean, you you sliding all the way down if you've got a clear pass and it's fast, like it's reacting to the fact that you are sliding down such a, an incline as what you are. So uh, that was fun to mess around with uh, the the culture that is on display. Uh, there's, we're watching right now, just one of the opening cut scenes and actually tell like the story. There's a bunch of folklore in the background, uh, tales that they have in the background that you just, you just love the, the developer, I believe it's Awaseb. They, they are from a small Island called New Caledonia. It's in the Pacific ocean. I believe it's over New Zealand and, this this island that they've made in the game is actually based off of New Caledonia. So a lot of the sites, a lot of the places you're going to see are actually from there. It's just obviously you have to change some things because you legalese and all that fun stuff. But you can really tell with their passion kind of bleeding through with with just some of the different songs that's in there, the way that they show off the culture. Um, I I've really enjoyed seeing seeing the world that they lived in knowing that this is a representation of where these developers lived because it's not a very big team but the ones that live there the fact that they've got them there is, is awesome uh, the whole game is presented in french and drehu is the language so when you see all the subtitles that's the only way that you can figure it all out is you're having to read it unless you're fluent in French or Drehu. So I really, really liked the immersion of it. I And that, I say that as someone who doesn't prefer to read subtitles. It, it just, it fits this game. It, it fits it really, really well. Um, what didn't fit as well for me was the, some of the different story beats. Um, first off, I guess with it, I'm very surprised that, and I guess it's just some of the different folk tales, the way that they've constructed everything. It is very, it is very intense. Some of these scenes, like you're, you're actually people die. <laughs> um, not to, I'll go ahead and kind of spoiler warning right now. If you, if you're listening to this, but there's actually a moment where the main villain actually eats a baby. Like it, it's, it's cartoony. So it's not like the most graphic thing in the world. Obviously it's, he just swallows the thing whole. And some of the story like makes it not as bad with the way that the story, but in that moment, if you just are just sitting there playing right from that moment, you're like, Oh, what just happened? <laughs> so it's, it, it kind of uh, surprises you with some of the intensity um, that isn't like what I didn't find right about the story because one of the nice things they do include is there is a family mode filter. 
so that you can I'm not I'm unsure how you would filter the scene, but I'm assuming that scene there's a way that they are filtering out that in particular because I do not see there being any way that that scene would stay in a family mode. So I, I do appreciate the fact of they are considering the fact that children will be playing this game and and that's not exactly what your, you know, five-year-old wants to see when they're playing uh, a cutesy little game as a, a main villain who's eating a child. Um, but from there, the, the story, it, it's, it is a fun story to follow, but it is a little hard to follow. Uh, a lot of it is just the fact that it's very vague with some of it because it just kind of it, it's a shorter story so it just kind of goes through all of its beats with what's going on and and that's it you you don't get a ton of backstory beyond a specific way that they tell the backstory so you you there's so much that i feel like is left unsaid with with this with what they have gone with the narrative and i would have loved to seen it investigated further like there, there are some great characters in Chia that you just love. Just their appearances, they're just very gr fun characters to engage with, and a lot of them you don't get a lot of time, so it feels like there's a, a depth that's missing, not just in the characters, but in the story, because it, it feels like the story was almost they were it was almost like it was afraid to overstay its welcome, and, and left too quickly. So I'm. I really would have liked to have seen more out of the story in Chia because it has a lot of potential, uh, especially there's some really, there's some heartwarming moments that you experience as you go through and enjoy with everything that you do. But it feels like it just, it stops every time you feel like you're getting somewhere and learning something, something it's like, Oh wait, we, we got to go ahead and button this area up. So it feels like everything's just, okay, here's this button up, here's this button up. You don't really get as far as you would like with any of the story. Um, it, it does bring itself to an end. You do get closure, but it, it doesn't feel like you get everything. Not everything is fully developed is probably the, the best thing on it. Um, the open world's a lot of fun. It's, it's very a lot bigger than most people would think you have two whole islands that you can go through and there's yes there's some empty space but there's a lot in the world uh, i was discussing with anthony i have a screenshot of the points of interest on the island and i mean ju just the and it's the largest thing but the in the video you saw me pick up this braided character there are 180 of those to find in the world that there's a lot of exploring that you can do and not everything is right away put on the map. So it's it's one of those things of the the game somewhat falls into some of those open world tropes of oh we've got a big world, we've got to fill it with something and it's certainly a lot easier to fill that world with a a collectible as opposed to a an extra mission or a side mission or something like that. And, and that's what a lot of what you encounter in the world are. Even like there's the kind of almost the bandit camp kind of idea. And, and even those, the the little bit of combat you get in the game, you, you finish those encounters. If you know what you're doing, uh, I finish most of those encounters in less than a minute. 
because there's not a lot of soldiers. There's not a lot of specifics there. So it, it it's one of those areas where is it a beautiful world? Is it a lot of fun to explore? Yes, but the things that there are to do in it, it, it leaves you feeling like it's a, a lot more padding than it is fully developed uh, again. Uh, there, there are some really great upgrades you can get from some of the things, but it, it's just kind of disappointing that it, it fell into these open world tropes when it's such a beautiful world to explore. You, you want to feel rewarded more than you often are. Um, some of the things that are fantastic in the game, though, we were talking about the culture. Uh, one of the things that's on the screen right now is actually my character playing a a song and it's just a rhythm based thing right here but you do get your a ukulele in the game and you can fun enough you can actually play some specific four key tunes and bring things into the world like you can actually change your time of day using your ukulele as well as like there's certain you can spawn a a pig or you could spawn a a bird or something like that, which can be useful to you using your ukulele, which I, I think is pretty awesome. Uh, that ukulele is also used in these musical numbers and like, yeah, it's the old, you know, point in a direction and make sure you're clicking on time rhythm game kind of thing. But the songs are so beautiful that you just, you just I love listening to all of them. There, there's not a single song that they did that I wasn't just like, oh, this is just like the culture from New Caledonia is just on full display with this. Um, I, I'll admit that I did hit autoplay several times because I didn't want to fail. <laughs> but I, that's kind of a nice benefit to have, especially if you have a younger kid playing or or somebody who may have a, a disability and can't do all of that. It's nice that that's available, which speaking of the accessibility kind of options, there actually is a lot. We, we already talked about family mode. Uh, they've got all the different aim assist, motion aiming, inversion, inverting controls, all kinds of different stuff. They've got it where you can change your, instead of mashing a button for things, you can just hold that for the prompt. Your, the button for the prompt, they've got more legible font. Uh, there's a no-fail mode, so it really any kid can play this game because it's straight-up no-fail. Now, where that's important, because Chia goes with stamina over an actual health bar, like you run out of stamina is how, how you die, so to speak, but Chia, Chia faints. Um, no-fail, it's important for that because there are some puzzle sequences that, you know you'd prefer to not lose because you just ran out of stamina. So I'm assuming that that's part of that uh, as well as with the not just no fail, there's actually an option to completely skip the current gameplay segment. And I think that think that's really cool because if I'm in particular, like a little kid, and I'm struggling specifically with a puzzle uh, there. There's actually one towards the end of the game. That is a, a very tough platforming section. Uh, I did a pretty good job with it just because I'm used to those kind of things, but it is, uh, it's still, it was still really tough. Like I, I'll admit that I got lucky with the timings on some of them, uh, but for a kid, that's just not going to happen. So it would be easier to just be able to skip over that gameplay segment. And that's just a nice way of being able to 
continue on, let people be able to play the game. It's it's good for people to be able to play video games, anybody to be able to play video games. So the fact that that's available to me is 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 great. Um, beyond that, it's it's just a charming, cutesy game that it's it's going to be in PlayStation plus extra and premium so it's just it's just a ton of fun uh as many i know it sounds like i've been sitting here just dogging on the game with some of the things that i didn't like the environment the the locations that you get to visit the 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 world and the exploration along with the the fun of just moving around and exploring everything it it just makes it completely worth playing. It, it's it's a lot of fun to explore this world, and especially to just drink in the culture of New Caledonia. That these it's 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 so easy to see just how passionate that these devs were for this game, and I really love it when a game when a dev gets to put their heart and soul into a game. Like when it's not just, oh, you know, I've got to develop this game. Like when this is their passion project, I love getting to see those. Like Pentiment was a game last year. Absolutely one of my favorite games of last year. What was it? It was a passion project from the dev. Like he he really loved the idea. Josh Sawyer did. So I saw that in every bit of it. And that's the thing with Chia. Yes, there are some issues. There are some things that I did not care for, but the passion that is in this project is so evident that it makes you forget some of these other things because you're enjoying the game itself so much because you can, you can feel that passion behind it. So their love for what they did made me love this game. So that's, that's Chia. Uh, We gave it an 80 out of a hundred. It's, it's a great game. It's a great game. Even, even with some of the things that the potential that it doesn't reach. Uh, and and that's really probably the biggest thing is there's some potential that it didn't reach, but you know what? It does well uh, that we already had PlayStation helping fund this project and whatnot. Chia 2, expansion of DLC or something, there's always that opportunity to reach that potential by adding more to the game or making a sequel. When I was looking at gameplay from... <clears throat> from your gameplay and gameplay around YouTube. I felt like I saw a lot of instances where Tia was given a quest to do and it was a classic fetch quest. Yeah. Are there a lot of those? You do have a, a good amount of those. However, most of that I feel like happened a lot more at the very beginning. Like most of your quests are. I'm trying to think of the best way to put it. Most of the quests that I remember doing, like it it was more talking to a specific character and, and going and finding a specific character as opposed to just being all fetch quests. There are there are plenty of those in the game. Okay. I was, just, I was just hoping it wasn't because that was all I was seeing. I was like, "Oh God, <laughs> if this keeps showing yeah. up, then." Rick, well, and I guess I will it's, it does this game very fast. Yeah. Well, and I guess it does boil down to once again, uh, a fetch quest is annoying if the fetch where you're doing the fetching is annoying. So I, I have a I lot more link- frame too. Yeah. 
Yeah, I have a lot more leniency for the fetch quest when I'm enjoying the the fetching. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, but if it's you know, go grab me twenty of these things and go grab me this, that, and the other. Uh, okay. It it All was right. never any of the fetch quests. It was never an ex- absorb exorbitant amount. Like any time I was doing sure. that, like. One of the times, and I think I mentioned this in the last one, uh, your soul jumping ability, which is something I really didn't talk about in this, is you you can possess. Well, you can possess, (laughs) of course, different animals, different creatures. That was something that was a lot of fun because when I was trying to do some of these missions, some some places are hard to get to. So I would use soul jump, jump into a bird, (laughs) and fly up to that place. So it would make that easier. Uh, the same thing with uh, some of the other different things. Like I once again spawned halfway across. I was halfway across the island, going to my next thing that I was trying to do. So I jumped into a deer and sprinted most of the ways a lot faster than I would have. Uh, so it's coming up with different ways to use that to your advantage. Like uh, one of the things you can do with enemies. Your enemies are these fabric soldiers. Um, that you the only way to kill them is to burn them. So I would, I would just jump into a. Uh, was it a lantern? And then I would launch, essentially unpossess them by aiming and launching the lan- lantern at them. And it would just explode and catch them on fire. <laughs> so it, it was just these these fun ways of being able to do these different things. Uh, the soul jumping, for instance, with one of the fetch quests, uh, you're supposed to get a chicken egg. So I couldn't find, I went around the chicken pens and everything, could not find chicken egg for I was like, I was annoyed because I couldn't find it and whatnot. Uh, I ended up going and possessing the chicken, found out there was a button for laying an egg. (laughs) So I laid the egg, unpossessed, grabbed the egg and put it in my backpack. (laughs) Boom, done. So it's like these these little fun little things that you can use with this. And a, a lot of mine was really traversal oriented, but it's fun to just see what you can get away with because there's a lot of different, it's not just animals, you can possess rocks and different things and try to use the, these different ways of solving puzzles to your advantage. And it's, it's just, it's a neat idea. Were a lot of the fetch quests like puzzle related that you had to figure out to complete, or was it just, Hey, go grab this. Some, some of them are easy. Like the one that is on the screen where I'm actually having to go and dive for pearls, uh, which some of it you're, a lot of it ends up on the map if you go and you do your little Assassin's Creed Tower call out thing that open that makes things pop up. Uh, but I, I can at least say that several of the things that I did, I had to figure out that way. Or and the fun thing is, is some stuff that you have to fetch like isn't obvious on in the world. Like there was one of the times that I had to find a terra root and a potato or a yam, I should say, and I ended up finding it randomly in a village. Like, you've got to think about where you're going. They don't just mark on the map every little thing that you've got to go find. So when you add exploration to the fetching and trying to figure that out, it it makes it more fun, Uh, at least most of the time if you can't. So sometimes you do have to use your noggin a little bit and be like, okay, this village is growing a lot of things. I need to go and see where they're keeping all of their veggies and stuff like that, so... Okay. See ya.
it's fun. Um, I, 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 yeah, trust me. I have thought of using that as in the title, but no. (laughs) Um, no, it, it, it it does look like a beautiful game. I love how, uh, they incorporate certain cultural elements. Um, one, oh, yes, that actually brings up one question. How, when I was watching this footage, as well as other footage related to the story and the cultural elements, it felt like the tone was off sometimes. So you talk about death, for example, something interesting would happen, maybe sad, maybe, you know, whatever, a a feeling that could be negatively associated, right? And then, like... Next thing you know, you're singing a song like this, <laughs> like what's happening on screen, right? Like, and I feel like there's there's some moments like that where it felt like, ah, uh, I don't, I don't quite get like what. I mean, I guess if you've been watching this entire gameplay, like you see what happens to father, and then here they are, <laughs> right? So yeah. it's like, wait a minute, uh, is this <laughs> is this like how they deal with like trauma and like. You know, they start singing to make the... And I, I don't say that sarcastically. There are some cultures where, you know, they take a moment to do something spiritual before they handle the situation. So I, I really not try to suggest this facetiously. However, in the game, it comes off, like, tonally off. Do you feel that way? Is that a recurring theme? How can you speak on that? I think the... Honestly, I believe that it's a very musical culture. And especially if you look at the, the lyrics, for instance, is it just said, I will go on a quest and find some friends and foes. Uh, the, the songs, a lot of times are actually just kind of introducing you on the, the next step. So I, I think it's probably a cultural thing. At, at least that at least seems like it to me. It, it there there like are some, you. okay. And, and there are, I'll admit that there are some moments that do feel kind of odd. Um, I'm not sure if it's just, once again, the the culture and the way that the culture frames things. Uh, but for the most part, I think that it's it's easy enough to digest what is going on, at least personally. And I, I feel like they do a good job of explaining why they're doing it. Like, it's just a, it's a lot of cultural ways that they are doing things so okay all right that is geo very good um all right Dave. well david keep going you play something else too <laughs> yeah. this, this and is now david drink, some water. <laughs> drink some and water drink some water and round yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly go ahead go get your little phase water there yeah. you go <laughs> Now into something completely different. I got under the helmet, so to speak. Uh, we jumped into Pavlov, which is uh, it's a game that's actually been out for a while. I believe it's available on the on Oculus Quest on some of the, it's on several different VR devices. Uh, but we got to play it on the PlayStation VR two. Um, a lot of people would say this is Counter Strike essentially in VR. And they're they're not really too far off the off of the reservation with it. It's it's pretty fun though. 
Uh, I one of the things I always worry about whenever I mess around with any shooter in VR is, you know, it's VR or shooting first person shooters tend to be very quick twitch. Very, I've got to quickly figure things out. I got to quickly do this. I got to quickly do that. And you're adding extra button presses, extra steps to things. <clears throat> because when you're playing this game, it's not just press a button to reload. It is, I have to reach up. <laughs> I have to grab the mag out, throw it down, grab a ma fresh mag out of my ammo, snap it into place. And depending on if I'm cheesing the system and like getting rid of a mag already that has a bullet or two left, I may have to re-cock the gun <laughs> in order to go move on to the next moment. Uh, it, it is definitely one of those things where it feels it feels realistic. They're definitely going for more realism with it. Uh, there's no teleport option. So you're walking around and... Uh, <laughs> It, it, it can be a bit, I, I'll at least say my stomach felt it the first time. Like it, I got used to it after a little while, but you, you feel it and you can see on the screen. I am like, I'm trying to reload my weapon and I am like totally freaking out. And then I die. Like, you didn't look like you were freaking out though. You look uh, uh, pretty calm yeah. and collected. <laughs> oh, I look. I may have looked calm and collected, but like, I'm pretty sure I'm actually yelling in VR. Like I'm dead. I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> but th this is uh which by the way the video the video footage we are watching we are in this like weird complex map but we are playing again a zombie mode which they look more like it looks more like we're fighting a bunch of albinos <laughs> because it's just these white characters the these these like pale deathly white characters that are just trying to kill you and it's funny because they're in all these different like one of them looks like they came from the gym because <laughs> they're wearing the classic <laughs> yoga girl outfit and then you've got dude that looks like he came from the office uh if if it shows it if it gets to it there's actually a moment where you see a guy like straight up Naruto running at you. Like he's got his <laughs> arms behind him just running. Like it's, I, we were dying laughing at these moments. Uh, <laughs> but it's one thing I'll definitely say about Pavlov. It is crisp, like playing it in VR. And that's really just a thing about PlayStation <laughs> VR 2. You're enamored by your own footage. <laughs> <laughs> just a thing, just a thing about is happening. <laughs> yeah. Just the thing about PlayStation VR 2 is just the fact that it, it's just so clean playing. Like, like having the 90 hertz refresh rate is, is just fantastic. Everything looks really nice because it's got the, the 4K per eye and everything like that. Like it's it's just it's just nice. It's 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 the cleanest way that you will play VR right now, and it works really really well with all. There's so many of these games that are just. There's so many of these games that are just really, the definitive versions on PlayStation VR two, because of the hardware that's behind it, and I'm I'm just I'm watching because I really want to see bro Naruto run at us because it's hilarious whenever it, it happens close? Uh, well it happens multiple times oh okay. <laughs> like it's it's not a single occurrence this happens quite a few times uh because the zombie does repeat there are some repeating models so 
as the Call of Duty player I am, I was, we were running around maps and stuff. And honestly, the zombie mode, very challenging. If you're on the ground, uh, even if you find a good high ground position, it gets to a point where it's almost unbearable. I, I found accidentally backed no, into, I no, I saw it. <laughs> it's dark, but I, I saw it. Yeah. I accidentally backed into some pallets and ended up finding out that we could kind of glitch walk up the pallets. <laughs> And so we had all, there's a point where you see all three of us standing on the back of these pal this one set of pallets up against the wall and we cannot be touched because David found a glitch spot <laughs> and like yeah, they're David. occasionally yeah they're occasionally touching us and and hitting us but like you know you've got the zombies can only run to one area <laughs> so so we're just kind of shooting at those areas as soon as they come up at us and it's just funny yes every time you see like my fingers up against the headset it's because i'm adjusting the headset <laughs> uh, i thought it was maybe because you were coughing and you had to yeah <laughs> but it is like it's just fun to play uh, we actually did play a couple of games of like search and destroy with humans and we got we got wiped by the other real players they are people are serious in that game i did get a snipe on somebody and i felt really really good about that like one of the coolest things when you look through a sniper scope you actually have to pull the gun up to your eye to see like <laughs> you you can like if you're holding it out like you can actually see the magnification of yeah. the scope so you have to pull it if you're going to get a good shot you have to pull it up to your eye uh you also can't like dual wield like p90s if you're picking these things up the recoil just jumps as you're shooting them you actually the game is weighted with physics so you have to get another hand underneath it so that you're actually able to accurately shoot back yeah i was constantly dropping things too <laughs> because <laughs> you, all it takes you accidentally hit one button and you drop you'll you just drop your grip with things and <laughs> Like it, it was very easy to freak out over some of that because <laughs> there's a point where I drop the only gun I have and I'm just sitting there on the crate, just slapping at the zombies <laughs> as they come up. Like that's probably the best thing about this game is playing it in VR with, with friends. Cause it was myself, Ron and Richard <laughs> Allen. And so we're just, we're just yelling and screaming and stuff like that and shooting and, <laughs> <laughs> like <clears throat> once i got the uzi i was doing pretty good but like these things just come at you <laughs> it's it's funny it's funny oh, uh, man. it's it's just it fun. It, it's just one of those things of you have to play this you have to try vr to get it like and that and that's playstation vr really and that's vr in general uh if you aren't messing or if you aren't actually experiencing this it's really hard to watch a video and just be like oh i want to have fun playing around with this like it's it's just not something that comes naturally you just have to play it and then you you get it you have fun with it you're you're able to enjoy yourself uh it, it it's a big expense for a piece of goes. equipment six six hundred dollars yeah six hundred dollars is a whole lot 550 whatever you want to call it is a lot to pay for playstation vr 
but it's the best VR that you can really get that's on the market right now. And and technically, when you include the cost of what a PC, what it would cost to actually get yourself a good VR rig and have the headset, like you're you're getting out actually decently cheap. It's just, just good VR is expensive. <laughs> Trust me. I've tried, I've played the original PlayStation VR. I, I know using those, ter- oh, I lost my gun right there. <laughs> and it was freaking out because I dropped it under the stairs. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, thank God, it's right here. <laughs> uh, oh, so something, something, something in Pavlov that's funny is to crouch, you actually have to crouch. <laughs> like, it's yeah, it's not a button. Like, it's not a button press. <laughs> like you have to crouch. Like I watched a, I watched a really funny video of somebody playing this, and they were with their buddies, and they just all like laid down on the ground so that they could like go prone. <laughs> <laughs> and then somebody came around the corner and just smoked all of them. It was funny. But yeah, so we're we're actually like trying to tactically call out and stuff like that when we're when we're playing in these moments. As soon as we find the glitch spot, we just stop. <laughs> like we're just we we because we're all in the same spot shooting at these zombies and it's funny we, what's funny more funny is we actually got to a point in the second map that we played which was on hospital it's actually a part of the footage towards the end uh i immediately in the room found another glitch spot once again the call of duty player as you see i am stand we are standing up on these boxes in a corner because I found out that I could use the back of it. There was the back of a chair you could push into and it would just <laughs> pop you up. And so once again, resident call of duty player looking for glitch spots, headies, all that kind of stuff. Uh, it was actually to the point we exploited this so badly that these zombies would, they will, they try to drop down from the ceiling to get you. They would <laughs> actually just stay above us in the ceiling. So one of us would have to jump down and run over towards the hole where they drop out of the ceiling so that they would follow over because yeah. <laughs> we had it glitched out so badly, but we're, we get to the end of this. We're just being stupid. Like we're punching the zombies. We're laughing. We're, it it's just fun to do. <laughs> As as a team, as a squad, bagging the no. I was trying to get the pills that were in the corner because you you have health, and (laughs) I had dropped them on accident. (laughs) Sounds like real life. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's the thing is it's like the you play this game and there are like the these things that you don't like. Oh, I hit the wrong button. Like it that doesn't happen very often when you're playing a regular game game of it. But man, you start playing, <laughs> you start playing it in VR, and there are real things that get me- messed up. I think this is where I was trying to figure out how to get back up there because I did it on accident the first time. <laughs> so, oh, man. are there different like objectives in each level, or is it just kind of well, like a survive? It, it, it's a survive thing. In the in this, uh, they do have actually a lot of modes not just a lot of modes, but a lot of guns when you're playing the game, it, it really is like counter-strike. Like you've actually got a search and destroy mode, a, I believe there's a capture the flag mode. You've got a, a te- regular team death match, like all kinds of just cool things that, that you can do. So the, the, there's, it's not just kill zombies in VR. You can actually face, you can actually do full six free six play or five V five play against another team. Oh, and this is where you see me accidentally figure out the glitch spot again. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So, and I'm screwed right now. Right at this point, I'm screaming at Ron. I'm like, hey, I figured it out, guys. <laughs> get over here. I, I actually told him, like, get over here. We can, we can do this. <laughs> and Ron's over there saying he's like, well, that's getting patched. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah found the spot. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> the broken. <laughs> yeah, but like I, like I said, like, whether you're listening through audio, whether you're watching through video, it's not enough to simply watch or listen to what I'm saying. Like you have to just play PlayStation VR two and it's worth it. It really is worth it. Like it's just a lot of fun to mess around in VR at this level of fidelity. Like that's the thing is we're, we're still, it's still in its infancy VR is. And when you play things like that, it's like, okay, this is where we get, when VR hardware is finally starting to hit its stride, like when it's finally starting to achieve those heights. And I hope Sony sells a lot of these because I, I really want to see where this kind of experience can go as we continue on. And then that's where I accidentally dropped my Uzi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, sorry. Said, well, and then I did it again. <laughs> like, like I said, things that do not happen when you're playing a regular shooter game that happen when you're playing in VR because it's these r- almost real life problems <laughs> that you end up having because you, oh no, I pressed the grip button <laughs> and I let and I let go. Yeah, yeah it's funny. it's just it's just fun. It's it's just a lot of fun to just mess around and and do stupid dances and all kinds of stuff when you're in VR with your friends. It's better than VR chat. There you go. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, that is Pavlov VR, PlayStation VR 2. Which we did give a 90 out of 100 in our review that is on oh, really? right now. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Wouldn't expect you with all the glitch talking <laughs> that I have a score. But, uh, that, well, that's a, it's a Todd it's Howard glitch. It's yeah, it's a Todd. It's a Todd Howard. Yeah, yeah. Glitch. <laughs> fun glitches, you know. F- fun you glitches are different. different times. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all the games we got. So we don't have much news. Uh, so we figured might as well try some stuff in this podcast. So we got a we got a few games to play. So oh, yeah. one of them is called Fake Questions, Real Answers. So. Yeah, a list of questions here that uh, our listeners have given us. Totally fake, but you know what? Good <laughs> questions that we got real answers for. So, um, first one, <laughs> written by David. No. <laughs> it's from Greg hey and Grand Rapids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Says, hey, guys, the Nintendo Online service got four new games. Kirby's Dream Land 2, Xevious, Burger Time, and Side Pocket. What other games do you want on the service platform? Doesn't matter. Hmm. Hmm. These have to be specific platform of Nintendo or. So they recently got Game Boy. Uh, They added the N64 and they added game. Well, so it was Game Boy and Game Boy Advance that they recently added. The expansion pack is N64. Game Boy, I think, just goes on Nintendo Switch Online. And then the Game Boy Advance is part of the expansion pack also. So, all of those games come from, fit on different platforms. I think Burger Time is Super NES. Xevious is NES, I think. 
Pocket Time is Game Boy. No, no, Kirby's Dream Land 2 is Game Boy. And then, I don't know what Pocket Time is. Um, but, or not Pocket Time, Side Pocket, excuse me. I don't know what platform that would take on Nintendo Switch Online. But I feel like eh, the, I feel like N64 probably has most of the games I would spend my time with. It's got F0X, it's got Star Fox 64. I think it has Mario 64. Um, I think it's got Ocarina of Time, which, I mean, there's 5 billion releases of that. Um, I don't, I don't know what else I can think of off the top of my head. Maybe Harvest Moon 64, but that's okay. Uh, oh. Growing up the baseball boy, I like instantly popped up my mind. I don't think it's on there because I haven't heard it. Um, but it was on the SNES. Um, being a baseball kid, King Griffey Jr.'s Major League oh. Baseball. I played so much of that and I would love it brought up to Switch. Um, it was great because it was during the uh Roid era of of games when you had like, you know, Sandy yep. and McGuire and stuff. And so it always cracked like you know looking back on it you get all of like the little inside jokes that they put in you know the little baseball references they put in because normally like second basemen are very small tiny so like every second baseman on the team was like little chicken leg boy like super skinny guy and then you have like your first basements who are your power hitters they were just you could see the veins from all the roids that, you know they were so big on the screen so it was it was just a ton of fun and that's what i grew up on so that's what that's easy pick for me. I guess for me, uh, I don't know that <clears throat> I'm assuming they're probably including some Game Boy Color in there. So Harvest Moon three, uh, for the Game oh, Boy yeah. Color. That's the Harvest yeah. Harvest that was the it wasn't actually Harvest Moon three is what they called it. It was just Harvest Moon Game Boy Color. Uh but besides that, uh I know it's licensed, but uh Batman the video game on the original Game Boy was awesome. <laughs> I really enjoyed I think that it was, yeah. game. And I would love to be able to play that uh, on the. <clears throat> I would love to be able to play that on the Nintendo online service. I did think of one more for the N64. I don't think it's on there, but I remember when it came out, I just loved the title because it was one of the first to be weird. Because, you know, everything was 64. But then there was a fighting game called Clay Fighter 63 and a third. first of all i loved clay fighter uh it was just such a goofy fighting game and so when they came out with 63 and a third i was like this is brilliant (laughs) this is such a good title i want to play it it was actually a pretty good fighting game it was decent so it kept clay fighter going obviously clay fighter the franchise didn't stick around but it was fun and i love i love it when you take the opportunity to riff on something and make it goofy that was one of them i'd like to oh, see that again we need pokemon gold and silver as well like that's just a, is that not on there i don't think so i don't i, th- guess I don't not. know that any of the i don't know that any of the pokemon games are actually on there yeah, i guess no, not like the online service um, is diddy Kong racing on there oh, i think so oh, okay. i think right. it is if they would just oh, if they would just have gamecube i'd have a wish list out the wazoo because there's a lot of yeah. game boy 
There's a lot of uh, GameCube games I would love to see on. on yeah. But I think they're working on remastering those. So, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> if they want to remaster Star Fox Assault, I will gladly buy it. So you like that? Yeah, I played it in a Kmart on one of the machines and really just enjoyed myself. So okay, I'm sure I'm sure it's one of those things it. of I'm fondly remembering it as a child, as a yeah, younger, as goggles. a teenager. Yeah, but so I'll probably I'd probably hate it now, like going back. <laughs> but uh, no, nah, it's just a game that I never got to own and I would love to play it. Like okay, I, I didn't sure. I didn't get to enjoy a lot of the Star Fox. I didn't grow up with a lot of the I didn't grow up with any Star Foxes, so. Oh man, uh, yeah, we didn't yeah, have Star a Fox lot of uh, instant classic. Yeah, the the only game system that I had like at home was my Game Boy, my original Game Boy, and eventually a Game Boy Color. So, because we we didn't have a TV in our house, so yeah, I had to play video. My NES was at my grandma's. <laughs> All right, yeah, I, I hear that, but you know, those were two good handhelds to own. That's for sure. Oh yeah, lots oh, yeah. of games on those. All right, here's the next one. Hi, guys. Love the podcast. PlayStation Plus added Ghostwire Tokyo and Jarted Legacy oh, of Thieves. <laughs> Appreciate it. Uh, obviously, those came to PlayStation Plus, but what would make you guys buy into PlayStation Premium if you haven't already? What games? I mean, honestly, premiums already a really good deal with some of the some of the stuff that's hitting. Like Chia, for instance, is a premium game um they are all they also recently announced that meet your maker uh i i don't know exactly oh, yeah, that. Yeah. what that game is uh how to describe that game to be honest with you but that one they just announced that that's coming in april um it's another service i don't feel like it needs day one games but like there's some smaller games that i would love to see on it let me think i might have to think about it what about what about you noah like there's got to be something <laughs> I'm the guy that's like, oh, this is day one games. Like you put a day one, and I, I, that's easy. Like that's all you have to okay. do. They never will. Um, but it, it still let me buy into it. Which um, apparently, Immortals: Phoenix Rising is coming uh, in March later this. Right? I think it actually. Month? I think it actually it hits. Hit? Uh, in a, I think it actually hits Tuesday. Yeah, that's a game that is worth it. Like I adored that game. Uh, and it's it's one I definitely was like, oh, should I, you know, upgrade for one game? I I, I think Immortals this month is definitely worth it. You um, do get a lot out of Immortals. A lot of gameplay out of that game. The only PlayStation console I've owned is the PlayStation 4. So, pretty much, I am that person... I would want as much backwards compatibility as possible so I could just play pretty much anything that I missed out on. So that would be my that would be my way to get in. I would pay yep. PlayStation Plus Premium so I could play whatever I wanted in the past that I missed out on. And they are they're getting there. Like it's not perfect obviously at all, but like the the fact that we're seeing them strive with some of these like we're, we're starting to get some of these classic games that are including like features like rewind and and tro like there's trophies that they're adding like for instance siphon filter and and some of these different older games it is it is cool to see them go back and 
they may not be getting like a remaster or anything like that, but it is nice to see them get support uh, Mm. with some of the stuff that they're bringing. So, uh, I mean, I actually do have, uh, it's not a specific game that I want. Uh, I want PS3 full on uh, download. Like it's only streaming. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That, that to me, like I already, so I already pay for the service because I'm subscribed to, I, 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 usually buy when it's on sale so sure, I'm, yeah. I'm the smart i'm the smart guy who just goes ahead and add and adds a year when i can get an extra extra cheap but i really like that that would be something that would be in a that would take it to the next level it's being able to download ps3 games you already can ps4 funny enough you can download all the classics but you can't download ps3 yeah and yep. I, I i'm i know that there definitely has to be a technical hang up somewhere and it, it, a lot of it's because the PS3's uh, design was so different internally compared to everything else. It caused issues for developers for quite some time. Uh, so I, I'm assuming that's the hangup, but I'd love for them to find a way around it. And it, if some rumors are to be believed, they already have. They're just trying to figure, I'm assuming they're just trying to figure out how to monetize it the best way. But this would be a good way to monetize it. <laughs> Agreed. All right. Here's another one. Hello. Neil Druckmann Hi. said the decision has been made on what the next naughty, uh, next naughty Dog game is. Uh, sorry, I read this wrong. What the next game Naughty Dog is creating. But what do you hope the next game will be from Naughty Dog? I'll let you hit this, Noah. So the next game from Naughty Dog, I... I know. I think they said they moved on. I could be wrong, and but I would like a new Uncharted. <laughs> like I, I will never get enough of the Uncharted titles. Um, They're phenomenal. Or I don't want a Last of Us Part Three, but I would like a another title in that universe. Hmm. Spin like different city or something. Um, because I think there's so much in that world that they could work with. Um, and I don't know if you guys watched the show, but I, I want Neil to bring on Craig Mazin, who is the guy from Chernobyl. He co-did the uh, the show with Neil because those two are peas in a pod. Like hearing them bounce off stuff, bounce ideas off of each other. I would love to have him take a narrative direction in a game. So. Yeah, I think... Um, I want something brand new. I don't want Uncharted. Uncharted's fine. I would be okay with more Uncharted, but they they did say they're they're moving on from it. Unless you know Sony, you know gets a another an developer. <laughs> you say what? Puts enough zeros on that check. <laughs> that or they get another developer to to make an Uncharted. Um, I'm over the Last of Us. I'm tired of it. Um. At this point, I'm like, I, I, I'm far enough away from it where I'm like, great story, mediocre gameplay, did better as a TV show, should probably just stay as a TV show, don't need any more of it as a video game. Uh, so give me something new. I'd be, I'm fine with them sticking with like narrative direction. That's fine. Um, but I do want something new. Maybe not something as dark, <laughs> but. Um, like a game. I don't know about like happy, maybe somewhere in between Uncharted and The Last of Us, but 
at least tonally. But yeah, I just want I want I want something new. Do you want them to do a live service game about the Suicide Squad now? Yes, actually. Yeah, let's <laughs> let's have them do that. Because at least you know they're going to have a consistent story unlike Destiny. So, um they can hit that and then no, I'm just joking. I just want to take a dig me, at Destiny. Give me sticking <laughs> itself. Give me Jack and Daxter. I want Jack and I'm Daxter. Fine with that. I, I, you can even make it a little more grit, which they were already kind of making it a bit more gritty when uh, like Jack two came out and everybody's like, what the heck happened in this video? David wants Gears of War, Jack and Daxter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so have either of you played the Jack and Daxter video games? I've only seen them in action. I haven't played okay, so, it. So, so I, I the played first, them so long I the, forgot about <laughs> The first one is a lot more in similarity to to like crash bandicoot but obviously in more of an open or a more open setting uh and it's a more linear but then you get to jack two and my work like it become like you're shooting guns like it's an open <laughs> world like there's all this like dark gritty kind of it, it's more edgy and stuff so and then they get to the third one and it still kind of retains that, but you get a lot more exp the story. And then everybody always wanted to know what would happen in a Jack four. Um, so I, I don't know that you even need to do Jack four. Maybe you just make a new game in that universe. Jack I would just love to see just yeah, or just, <laughs> just do, I, I don't want to reboot, but I don't know that I want a four, like maybe God of war it. <laughs> <laughs> like like i mean Jack it worked really it worked it, i mean it, it worked really he already had one bro <laughs> yeah he Funny, had a, his goatee <laughs> yeah bald <laughs> um but i mean you could find a way to like do what they did like retain this, this what made the games great but like Great. It's all going to be one shot. It's all going to be one shot. Right, yeah. <laughs> one continuous shot. Jack is trying. Jack is taking his girlfriend's ashes up to the mountain with Daxter. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, I'm joking around. Uh, uh, beyond that, beyond that, I really need uh, the carts of us because Naughty Dog is known for making several video games in a series and then making a cart racer. So we need our Last of Us cart racing game. Uh, Uncarted. Yeah. Uh, oh, I made that joke a long time ago. Oh. Uncarted. <laughs> like, I, I still want Uncarted, but I'll take the carts of us. <laughs> so, like, maybe, yeah. maybe mash them together. S send me my royalty check, Neil. <laughs> but no, uh, Jack and Daxter. Like, I've, I've, that is one of my favorite games from that time frame of ps2 and i would love to see it i'd love to see it come back okay uh all right we got one more dear gaming trend podcast it's rumored that forspoken had a hundred million dollar budget how does it turn out as bazid did with that kind of budget the only reason the budget was that high is because the game kept getting delayed and they kept having to pay people that is exactly how you get to that point <laughs> you have a good you have a good idea and then it drags out and then the producer sits down and plays the latest great game and says i bet we can stick that in here 
And so then they start hiring somebody else to work on something or they start using manpower that should be doing this and is doing that. That's how you get up to that kind of a budget is because you're just misusing your resources. And that's more or less, I think, what happened with this one is they misuse their resources. Because it's, yeah. it's the same team that gave us Final Fantasy 15, and that wasn't a bad game. No, I I agree. That, that's pretty much what I was going to say. When you, <laughs> when you delay stuff, that, that still costs money. You have to pay the people. You know, that's, you know, a, uh, un, you know, not very much talked about aspect of the industry is you, you still have to pay these people, even though your game as it came out. So, and the more you delay it, the more not only do you have to pay the people, but if you bring in more resources or expend more resources, you have to pay for those. And so it's it's a, not a fun cycle. That's why I'm kind of curious to see the bottom line for Skull and Bones. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I think, I, I think the bottom line is they're sinking the ship. <laughs> but yeah, I pretty much what David said, uh, delays. That's, that's kind of the, the main proponent. Would agree. That's a, so people. that's our that's our answer, Jill from Palm Springs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Had to bring it to the West Coast. Uh, all right, David, you got a game for us? Yeah, yeah. This is uh, this is kind of fun. So, I am a very big Green Bay Packers fan. I actually have uh, stock uh, a piece of stock for the team. So. Uh, I've been following. Team, so, <laughs> so I've been following this whole Aaron Rodgers thing. Uh, funny enough, I have to at least say this: I thought we should have uh, never re-signed him last year. I thought we should have either traded him or just let his contract, whichever one it was. I can't remember what it was. I thought we should have started over last year. That was yeah. actually uh, my call, and turns out it looks like it was kind of the right call considering we missed the playoffs. Okay. Uh, I think Jordan Love could have done eight and eight, but that is. Neither here nor there. There you go, David, um, putting in this pitch again. <laughs> so that executive position. <laughs> uh, Aaron Rodgers finally addressed all of the media speculation and things that they were saying incorrectly that he was talking about, and all these different things in all these negotiations of where he's playing this next year. And one of the things that he brought up is that Adam Schefter, who is a NFL insider. Uh, he's on, I believe, he, is he NFL Network or is he ESPN? I can't remember ESPN. which one. Yeah, um, but he's he's always breaking the big NFL stories and whatnot. He is not part of Aaron's inner circle, and he never will be because he finally got Aaron's number, sent him a text, started bugging him, trying to figure out what was going on, to which uh, Aaron Rodgers texted him back and said, lose my number. Good try, though. <laughs> That's the only answer that he gave to this guy. So our game, after that long bit of exposition, is there a game, a specific game? Is there a game mechanic? Is there a hot take in gaming? Is there just something gaming-oriented, gaming-related, that if you were presented with it, it was bugging you, it was at your door, it was texting you, you'd send back and say... <laughs> Lose my number. Good try, though. That you just you done. You done. That's okay. that's that's where you're at with it. Where are y'all All guys right. at? All right. You want to go first? Okay, I'll go first. All right. 
Uh, I'm texting lose my number. Good try, though, to weapon durability. <laughs> I lose knew it. Lose my number. Lose it. <laughs> God. I'm glad you got that beep placed well. <laughs> <laughs> I hate weapon durability. It adds nothing useful to the game. It does not make the game more fun. It adds unnecessary challenge it's not like the game a game that has it <laughs> it's padding it's <sighs> a lot of breath in there sorry <laughs> um sorry it was very wild right there sorry but <laughs> got him it doesn't make up. it any harder <laughs> to complete that game to do the 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 combat and all that and everything else you have to think of you got to think about the weather you got to think about all these other you know is, are you wearing a metal shield while there's a lightning storm and combat is like, there's so many other things to think about having to reequip the same weapon that just broke after six hits is stupid it doesn't matter if there are other weapons that last longer they break. They don't need to break. The master sword breaks for crying out loud. Like <laughs> it lasts for a long time. I get that, but it breaks. How does the never mind? You understand where I'm getting at. It's it's pointless. It doesn't need to be in Tears of the Kingdom. It doesn't need to be in any other game, period. And it's especially annoying with Breath of the Wild because of how hard it not how hard but how annoying it is have to go into your inventory which pauses the game and then you got to equip the thing and then get out the pause menu and then continue combat it just tears up the flow it messes up the flow so weapon durability lose my number good try though <laughs> oh i guess i'm next uh, yeah so you can lose my number if you think this goes back to my days at retail at GameStop. If you think that a game's length in hours equates to the quality of a game. <laughs> yes. Please yes. just oh. go go outside. <laughs> the amount of people who I would, you know, come in and they're like, I'd recommend like, hey, you should play this game. I'm like, oh, how how many hours is it? I'm like, what's it matter? Like, well, how many? I was like, it's a good like 10 to 15 hour like weekend experience. Like, no, no, thanks. I'd rather go play Red Dead for 100 hours, you know, and, and just fill time. It's like, you know, the, the a game, would you rather, and I would tell them, I'm like, would you rather have a 15 to 20 hour phenomenal experience or 120 hours of filler where you're just running around killing time, basically, you know, and it, that just grinding my gears. People <laughs> thinking that just because it's a 15, you know, 25 hour, you know, game that it was not good. Get it out of here. <laughs> there are, oh, yeah. I've seen people online equate a one hour basically to a dollar. So for every, you know, they, they'll, if a game is below 60 hours, then it's they not worth it. their time. Yeah, because, they won't touch it. You know, basically per hour. Like that, that's how they calculate that. And that's, wow, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. If, if like, let's say I spent five bucks on a mat, on a ticket to this movie, where I could spend 15 bucks on a ticket to that movie and this movie for five bucks sucks. 
but the movie I spent $15 on was phenomenal. What, what did I like? Yes, I spent less, but I also felt like I wasted my time. Yeah. It's the same idea. It's the same idea. It doesn't matter if I get a bunch of hours, if half of those hours are spent doing mindless tasks. Mm -hmm. Like if it's, if it's your thing, you do you, but it, yeah. Amount of time. It's a weird way to think about it. Like it's fine. If you want to get lost in a hundred hour game, you know, red dead redemption, destiny, you know, whatever the case may be, that's fine. Because especially if you only buy, you know, you only got 60 bucks for the year, <laughs> you know, like whatever the case may be, that's the one game you're going to get. You want it to last as long as possible. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's fine. But don't equate it to, uh, you know, what Noah talked about. That's the, the level that's ridiculous. Of, of quality of a game. Yeah. Well, that's like De- Dead Island 2. I'm super psyched that they're saying that it's going to be more around the 20 hour mark with, how much time you're going to put into it. Yeah. It's probably going to be a little bit more than that when you go and do your collecting and all that different stuff of some of these things that are in the world that are in every game that is even semi open world. Uh, but you know, it's kind of refreshing to not have the dying light to it's 500 hours long pitch. <laughs> like it, I'm the one who reviewed that game. And I mean, I finished the main story and put about 20 hours in. So is it 500 hours long? I'm sure if I spent that kind of time in it, but let's not act like the actual quality gameplay was 500 straight hours. Thank God I would have wanted to murder myself reviewing <laughs> a 500-hour game. <laughs> you guys getting a review in progress, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> did you say you had... I'll, I'll, did you say you had another one, Noah? Oh, I can... Because I, I well, I've, <laughs> I'll, I'll go ahead and go with one of mine next. Uh, yeah. You know what? Go ahead and lose my number. Good try, though. You console fanboys who are so Ooh. stupid toxic on Twitter. I am so tired Ooh. of every time someone just barely scuffs at your plastic box that I got to hear about why the other plastic box sucks so bad. We all, yes. Do we have preferences? Yes. Have I occasionally made a joke about Xbox's boneheaded decisions? Yes, but I equally am annoyed when PlayStation makes boneheaded decisions, and I call it out because I have a little thing called integrity. But Here's you also don't thing, stand though. for, yeah. like, ex- like. I- I love pl- I love my Xbox PlayStation. Xbox makes a boneheaded yeah. decision. You're but, not going to be like that wasn't a boneheaded decision. That was <laughs> Oh no. Here's why it was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, but I see so many of these things of these people going on their clout chasing and all that kind of stuff and whatnot and and these stupid some of the stupidest accounts. How do you even believe what you're saying? <laughs> that is where I'm and I know some of it is just you're typing something up cuz you want to get the clicks. But boy, it ain't it. Like it, it's just stupidity, and it makes you look like a child. Because that's what you are. Because you know what? We all should be just talking about how there are so many awesome games that we can all enjoy. I'm gonna be playing the heck out of Starfield on my Xbox. I cannot wait for that. Just like I'm gonna play the crap out of Spider-Man Two on my PlayStation Five. Like I'm gonna be playing the heck out of Call of Duty on my PC this year. Like. We have you. You're the one who spent the money on the box. They didn't hand deliver it to your door 
give you a pat on the butt and say enjoy like why are you standing for this like this product that you just that you the one who spent all this money on because <laughs> they want to make sure they feel good about it I feel like Anthony should put David's Twitter handle like right above his head. Like <laughs> he, this whole he can time. do that in post. He can <laughs> just, do that in post. Uh, go ahead and at me. Go ahead and at roll me. Roll it up. I, just, I ain't even gonna. <laughs> I, I, I ain't even gonna say don't at me because it just there's these there's these things that people say and it just like like Noah with grinds my gears. That is exactly what it is because you sit there and you're like why. That's that's oh, yeah. really like it, it, like there's somebody who actually says like getting rid of toxicity, but then they have toxicity on Twitter, but then respond to somebody with a Sony fanboys are the worst and we must eliminate them kind of thing. It's like <laughs> you have you say that you're supposed you don't want toxicity on Twitter in your bio yet here you are providing it. There was a guy who did a tweet about why Starfield, what is the going to be the biggest game this year? And it like had Starfield. It was last year's like Starfield, all these different things. And a bunch of people were voting for like God of War. He deleted the poll like three times because Starfield wasn't winning. Like, come on. Like, I want to I want to know how that got how that tweet ended up in your feed three times because he deleted it and reposted it. I have some friends who, for some reason, think it's funny to go into Twitter spaces. So I'm assuming that those friends looking at those tweets and hitting things are the reason I see the stupidity. Sometimes it is entertaining. (laughs) But sometimes I just look at them like, oh, my gosh, why? (laughs) I get I get I get people arguing people mad about like a couple of frames. Like there's somebody who's like there's a bunch of Xbox fans who are mad because the Resident Evil is like three frames better. Yeah. And they're like, I'm sick of seeing the Xbox Series X version of the game sabotaged. <laughs> yeah, because I'm sure Capcom up there like, okay, PlayStation gave us started. like PlayStation gave us like, you know, a couple th- they gave us a thousand dollars for each frame we lowered <laughs> on on the place on the xbox version and they're like they're it's it's coming to the point we just buy all the good third party this is literally i'm reading the tweet just buy all the good third party publishers microsoft maybe exclu- exclusives are the only way forward for reasonable performance on xbox what? <laughs> I'm, I'm not joking okay. <laughs> all right. just yeah, lose my number are. lose my number <laughs> good try I, though <laughs> i like competition i like i i there's i don't like the console wars that's that's that, too much yeah that's where I it, that's do where like, it is bad i do like the competition like from a business perspective you yeah. know who's doing what who's making good decisions who's making bad decisions are the decisions good or bad but they take it they take it way too far and then they use logic that's not even it doesn't they don't use logic actually <laughs> excuse me no they don't use logic it doesn't make sense so yeah uh they they take it way too far um i can say i i used to engage in that when i was in middle school a little bit of high school but it wasn't to that degree um but also i only had one console so I, you know 
if people were saying, oh, you know, X Games, it's like, wait a minute, hold up. No, I play this thing. I, I own this thing. No, it's pretty dang good. Like, you ain't even played it. So I get it. You get a little territorial. You you purchased yeah. it, so you feel like you got a stake in the thing. And you do want to feel good about your purchase. You don't want to, you know, realize, oh, shoot, I purchased the wrong thing. <laughs> so, but, uh, nah, it's, it's a little, it's a little too far with, uh, Twitter. I got one more. I do got All one right. more. Go ahead. That's, Go ahead. Uh, it could lose my number. So, uh, I would say lose my number. Good try though. To fetch quests. <laughs> oh, I can't stand fetch quests. That's why I asked about it for Tia because that is the reason why I never finished Wind Waker. Fetch quests. Couldn't do it. Once we got to the Triforce fetch quest and you just riding over all the water and just trying to find the thing, it's the most boring thing they did in that game. And I tried to finish it the first time it came out. Couldn't do it. When the remaster came out for the Wii U, I tried again. I tried. I really tried. I was like, this is so boring. And it feels so unnecessary that y'all can make this any more interesting pure unadulterated just go get thing go get thing go get thing oh my god that will bump me off a game nothing will bump me off a game faster than that kind of fetch quest nothing so with that said what else do you got noah what else? What else? Are you, yeah. Are you telling it to lose your number? Um, let's see. I got a couple more. I'll start with like your volume. I got. Really I got low. one. I got one more. Oh. 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 Sorry. Uh, volume's still kind of low. I don't know what happened. I didn't do anything. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no. I muted my mic oh, there to take There we go. Drink. Oh, you're suddenly you go. Go. Oh, I just gotta yell apparently. <laughs> uh, I, like, I, I muted myself to take a drink. What happened? Um, so this is kind of a, a small, a small jab um, at a certain host of a certain podcast. Um, but people who think that Uncharted is a better game than Tomb Raider lose hmm. my number. And I don't know if they remember this, but we used to have a. He's he is the big Uncharted boy. And I'm yep. the big Tomb Raider boy. And so there was always this friendly competition, which people seem to not be able to have anymore, uh, <laughs> about which was the better game. So I just threw that in there as a uh, as a fun little joke. But um, in all seriousness, though, um, modern day ranked system matchmakers. Boy, can I rant about that for a bit. So <laughs> we've talked about it previously. I believe it, at least Anthony and I have, about my hatred of Overwatch's Overwatch 2's um, matchmaker for its ranked system. And COD has a pretty similar one, um, but I do not like it when this mostly just in Noah doesn't like stuff take. Uh, I don't like it when you have me ranked at an invisible number that I cannot see and I do not know that the game thinks that I am at and you are matching me with other people who may or may not be in my rank. 
Amen. So preach. And you're like, well, 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 that's great. But we are giving you this visible number that represents your potential, your potential, or it, it may not even be your accurate rank. Your MMR may be different than your actual rank. Um, but you know what we're going to do after each season, which is like what two months now for Overwatch, two, two, three months, we're going to decay it to where you started the previous season at. So that way you work back up to where you ended the season at. So it's, you're just knocking me down the ladder to make me ascend back up to where I ended the previous season at. But bro, it's so that you can feel good. Yeah. You can feel yourself. Progress. If I, if I'm climbing a ladder to the roof and I go up a rung and then back down and I just do that all day, is that fun? No. Like, and I get you will plateau. Like any person will plateau in a rank system, but like, if I am in, we'll just say gold five or whatever, I, you can't tell me that like Call of Duty's player pool or that um, Overwatch's player pool, you know, if I'm in gold five, I should not be playing diamond players. I don't care if they're queued with gold. That shouldn't be a thing. Um, if I'm in like plat, low plat, you know, that's fine. But yeah, if I'm in, if I'm in gold, about to hit plaid that's fine but do not put me with diamond players i'm not there yet don't give me the excuse of like oh but if you beat them you'll jump up more no (laughs) it's not why you're playing it's not an even playing field at that point because 90 percent of the time your team does not have a diamond player no no it's you know diamond or golds and then a couple silvers you know and then the uh, you'll have the games where David and I've witnessed it firsthand in Call of Duty, where you're like, this this person's like bronze two. Okay, why did they roll us? So because we lost to someone at a lower rank than us, we lose more SR. Smart because we, yeah, like it. Oh, that matchmaker's full. Russell, my Jimmy's dude. The similar problem I had with Knockout City. I played the first two seasons. Now that that's uh three V three, so matchmaking is a little bit tougher, but uh solo queue, I made it all the way to Emerald rank, which is the second to the last highest rank. Which so I w- I was very good at that game and I could have made it, I think Diamond was the highest. Um but I could not get there, at least solo queue. Because the matches that I were in, I would go up against a full stack of Emerald players. And I would be matched up with another Emerald player who would be playing with like a bronze, silver, or platinum, or gold, or, you know, like something else that they weren't ready for that level of competition. And I was like, I can't play this anymore. Like, I can't play ranked at this <laughs> point because I keep getting matched against full stacks as a solo queue player. And it puts me with other people who are not uh, queued up with a, a full party of emeralds. So, you know, the, the rare time where I would get matched with other emeralds, we won. So it was like, great. Yeah. Put me with some good people. Like I'm good, but I can't carry a bronze player. Sorry. Like this is, they're just an open target. 
and and I get the philosophy of like we want to reduce queue times. I get it, yes. but it's wrong. I will wait in a longer queue if it means my matches are more balanced and yes. accurate to what they should be. Um, but yeah, also solo queuing and full stacking should never match up in any rank playlist. Yes, unless it is like a last resort. Like, hey, there's yes. no matches left. <laughs> like, yes. So. So many times I'd be solo queue and I'd get matched with a five stack. And I'm like, why, why do I have to be the fill? Yeah, Cause it's <laughs> like, just over yeah. at that point. I'm like, it's they, crazy. they got the six stack and I'm the guy who has to jump into voice chat and chat with all these five other five. Okay. Whatever. Yeah, okay, occasionally, myself and, yep, occasionally myself and my brother will be, or will think about playing ranked together. It usually ends up being okay let's just go play warzone because at least there you know we we have a chance yeah, yeah uh, compared to ranked like i don't want to like lose it. rank because i'm the one who's doing duo <laughs> yeah but yeah. like an overwatch you could do duo queue and be you and be okay because there's roles so yeah. that could kind of work itself out a little bit um but yeah a game like call of duty or you know but yeah solo queuing just generally i'm just like okay yeah this this isn't gonna work anymore Especially with yeah. like how hard it is to carry a team in the gaming atmosphere now, like Overwatch, really hard to solo carry a team uh, up to a certain level. Obviously, yeah. Uh, COD same way. Um, like if you take, I've always been a big you know believer of the. You take a stack, whether it be three, five, six, doesn't really matter, and you face them against a solos all solos who don't play together it doesn't matter how there's a certain threshold it's a very high threshold of where no matter how much better the solo cute players may be they will still lose to the team that is coordinated and played together and talked yeah. so there's a reason just, we honestly in cod we beat people well above our skill level just because we're smarter like we're able to work together better oh yeah you work together yeah so that's that's why i don't i think they should be in like I said, I don't like, or I, I know why developers don't like diluting the pool, but yeah. in a ranked, if you want it to be taken seriously, you know, as, as serious as a video game can be taken, I guess. Right, uh, yeah. Yeah, you, you, there there are, you know, sacrifices that must be made, and I'll gladly take a longer queue time. If you yep. consider yourself a competitive game, which the case of Overwatch, it does, then you make ranked as competitive as possible. And fair. Yeah. Yeah. It's not gonna be fair all the time. I get it, but yep. you know. only so many people are queuing at a time, so there's only yeah. so much well it can work, but but your system should at least support better around yep. that. Design Especially it as right now, like for instance, COD ranked is like the game mode right now. Like it is like people are watching that more than they're watching Warzone on Twitch right now. That's how big ranked is. Yeah. So that's you know you you gotta you gotta invest in that system and make it even more fair. All right. <clears throat> I've got one more. Oh, okay. For me, one one good old last one here. I'll have another one real quick once you're done. Because it's but... it's about more discourse, and it is. That a game ranking a seventy on Metacritic mm. is automatically an awful mm. game. You can you can forget <laughs> my number. Good try though, because 
my word. It there I like the game it, back on PS3. I liked Haze. And that game sucks according to Metacritic. Like everyone hated it. There there are so many games out there. Reviews are ob- are objective or are from the person objective, that, yeah. that is objective to who is reviewing it. And I'm sorry, even if you get 150, 200 reviewers somehow reviewing a game, it is still subjective. <laughs> you still can like a game that everybody else doesn't like. A Days Gone is one for me like that, that I personally reviewed. Uh, I didn't review it for a site that was accredited with Metacritic, but I really enjoyed the game, and I didn't experience nearly the bugs that apparently everyone else experienced. And that was even running on a regular PS4 most of the time instead of a PS4 Pro. Like, I, I had a couple bugs, yeah, but I had a ton of fun playing that game. And pretty sure that game is like a... See here, Days Gone Metacritic. See, it is currently a... Honestly, I'm surprised it's a 71. Uh, <laughs> but according to that, the game is hot doo-doo. According to <laughs> Gaming Twitter. That is not the case, Gaming Twitter. Seven... A 7 out of 10 actually means it's pretty good. <laughs> That's what technically, and I know I know the whole thing of like, again, the subjective scores and all this different stuff that is with things and whatnot. If it's, if it's under 5, it's below average. 5 is average. I, I get that we have been conditioned to this point to think of 7 as average. 7 is not average. Seven is seven is above average at the worst. So I'm I'm tired of Metacritic being this thing that everybody decides to jump on with all these things. The, the funniest thing is, and this goes back actually to the, the console fanboy thing, is Metacritic matters when your game is do is reviewed fantastic, but it doesn't matter when you aren't getting good reviews or when the other guy gets a good Metacritic review. Like it met it, it's such a subjective thing with with fanboys of things but in general metacritic is there for you to be able to get a good look at what most critics are saying and it's an easy place for you to go and see a plethora of reviews for a game it is not the end-all be-all as to whether or not you personally will like a game metacritic is a tool make your own darn decisions about video games <laughs> <laughs> like come on think for yourself think for yourself yes i may be i may review a video game and you appreciate and you respect my opinion and my opinion usually lines up with yours you still gotta try it for yourself to know if you're gonna like it or not because you know what we are going to disagree on a score at some point because i am not going to always review something and you think the same exact way that i do that's I'm me even saying you might not agree with my review on something. I I'm hoping that by the end of it we can just have Anthony like just beep out David like and like kick him from <laughs> beep, the beep, uh, for beep, breaking beep, like beep, the TOS beep. or whatever like kick him from the put the the cat hanging in there. <laughs> yeah, like the BRB technical difficulties. Yeah. Uh, I like David versus Twitter round two. Uh, I think it goes very much in line, like you know. With what I think most intellectual people uh, can acknowledge that people can like stuff that other people don't like and vice versa. 
Um, we don't, it's not a collective agreement or anything like that. Um, That's what it's I treated like. <laughs> it really is. And it's subjective. Like this person liked this game. Okay, cool. You don't have to, you can, you know, like you said, make your own decisions. It's a good way to kind of judge what a lot of other people are thinking and make your decisions on that if you're having to specifically pick. Um, but I like the seven out of 10, it, I think I might have told you guys, talk to you guys about this like off podcast, but I used to get really confused and not like the one to 10 system or the one to 100 system, whatever you want to call it, because, you know, mathematically <laughs> five is average between one and 10. So when you hear that a game's a five, theoretically it should be average, but in culture and the industry, it's considered below average, which is very odd until, um, Paul Tassi on Twitter was talking about the topic and he pointed out something to me that kind of changed my perspective and it made things click instantly. Uh, when looking at that, he's like, you can't judge it, you know, off of a one to 10, like numerical, think of it as like, um, grade school, like scoring grades. If you have 90 or above, it's an A, 80 above B, 70 C and so, so forth like that. He's like, that's how I look at it. And it made me change my perspective a lot. So that's the way I look at gaming scores now. Um, and I think that's a good reference point for a lot of people. If that, if you need a good uh, foundation on, is a game good or not? Like if a game gets a seven out of 10, that's pretty good game. You know, it's not gonna fly, shine with flying colors, but you know, it's good. Well, like yeah, I our own David Flynn got drugged through the mud on Unchained uh, with Echoes, whatever. I don't yeah. remember the exact name because he gave it, I believe, is a 55 or something like that. And it just didn't, it wasn't his game. That was, just did not enjoy the way that they decided to do things. And he was the outlier, but he was getting drugged because of his opinion on Forspoken was a 90. As like, people Which can man? have their own opinions. <laughs> I totally disagree. Just with because, that. <laughs> just because you disagree, it, we we yeah. were having a discussion in our own Discord about how the, it's the drag Breath of the Wild channel because a lot of us do not like Breath of the Wild. While I mean, Noah really likes Breath of the Wild. Myself loves, and Anthony, it's way, just loves, not our thing. I can recognize, loves. I can recognize Breath of the Wild being a great game. That doesn't mean I I think it's good. I disagree with the grade school analogy. I've heard that for years, and I think that's actually part of the problem with how people look at review scores because once you hit 50, that's an F, and anything below that is an F. So um, the way I have understood and realized, well, the, the way websites choose video games at least the bigger ones to review is based on popularity right what's going to get the clicks what's going to get the people's attention most of those games are anywhere between 10 and 6 that's why the scale pretty much sits in there most of the time because most of the games that people really want to know about are pretty good <laughs> they are actually pretty good. So you're not going to get your ones, your twos and threes that often because those games aren't going to get the attention anyway, unless they are absolute ridiculous outliers. 
And so what it's done subconsciously is people view the seven as the average game. When in fact, five is the average. It absolutely is the average. Um, but people always talk about, oh, the whole scale isn't used. Well, it, if we had time to review every single game that came out, guarantee the whole scale would be used. Yep. The difference is you just wouldn't read them. <laughs> so you <laughs> wouldn't care about them. Yep. You don't care about the 30% Steam games that have released, and most of those are garbage anyway. So the way we look at the scale, it, it, the, a lot of people do view it as the school-grade system, and I think that's just faulty because once you hit 50, technically it's bad. Like, nobody wants to fail according to the school-grade system, right? An F, you're not passing. You're not going to go on to the next grade. You need to retake the test. So yep. you get D, 60, yes. Yeah, kind of the same thing c's are what gets degrees so 70 and up yeah we're, we're we're doing all right so pretty much that leaves out everything below five so i think when we do look at the one to ten one to one hundred or uh, one to one hundred being like 10 20 30 not literally one two three four five but when we look at a kind of scale like that um when you look at a game that's a two, no, that's a like, you no, know, don't even just don't <laughs> just just don't uh, ones you, you don't. But fives. Yes, that should be absolutely middle of the pack average. But when we see sevens nowadays compared to a lot of other sevens that are popular and reviewed, it feels average and all it feels average relative to other sevens and so when people see seven it's like oh yeah okay it's seven and then it's six it's like five is like paul oh, no way that's terrible doo doo as uh david said in that whatever example he used <laughs> so i i do think the great scale system is a little broken in that respect i think one up used to use like a b c and you know and all that i think that's useful to some degree um, cause you can be a little more specific, but honestly, like I, uh, I, I honestly think IGN's review scale, like is, is pretty good. Cause they, every number has an exact meaning for what it is. And so, you know, exactly what it is. That's, it's just, that's people don't like actually gaming trend one. Yeah. Um, so that helps people have a better idea. Okay. What does five actually mean? It's mediocre. That's what yep. it is. I think R5 means average. That actually, so, R5 is mediocre. Yeah, so it's there a, you go. It, it, in the description, is hard to describe as good, but calling it bad would be a little harsh, which is literally the definition of middle of the road. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is what um, that is. Yeah, so a good review scale, like, should settle, should define what those things are for the people who are reading, which yeah. could be a little bit different from for everybody else, but... Um, I think it gets wonky when you start having like a 20 point scale that that gets a little rough where you start adding like point fives or, you know, like yeah. five, like kind of the way we ours, do it. Ours is a 10, but ours is still more. Uh, ours is a 20, but it's, it's still 20. more of a 10. Yeah, we, we treat it more like a 10, um, but it is a 20. But um, that's that's where I think things can get wonky. So um Read, read what the review scale means. And yeah. that's what the reviewer 
means. <laughs> so yeah, and also read the review. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that because, would be helpful. <laughs> like you can, you could reading the full review, you could see why what they like they didn't like and yeah. why they put that score. Not yeah. to mention, as silly as this is going to sound, like there are sometimes I'll put a seventy on something and it's a really high seventy. But then another game, I'll put a 70 on it, and man, that's a low 70. Like like you said, you got to read the review to get the context as to what that 70 means. Sometimes it's a real... Man, they punched above their weight this 70. Man, this was did not reach its potential at all. It's a 70. <laughs> like, th- th- there's an expectation behind it that... Yeah. It, yeah, it's like... I'll, I'll, kind of, I'll kind of throw in the uh, Lifefall review that I got to taken on we gave it a 70 out of 100 but it was because everything else besides the narrative was really really good yep. <laughs> yeah yeah the that's narrative right. campaign which brought it down yep. really really low so yep. you know if somebody the, looks at a 70 you're like oh well everything's mediocre no there's highs yep. and lows and the other fun thing i'll put out there is that almost every reviewer will look back and think about that what they wrote before and there's at least a cu- a handful of reviews that you're like, you know what? I probably was a point off. Like you look, you look yeah. back at it and you're like, you know what? Looking at this in hindsight and, and obviously, you know, you can't get it all right, but uh, reviewers are on tight deadlines. Sometimes you miss something. Like sometimes you just don't hit what you wanted to hit and it doesn't work. Well, it's okay. You- you also get caught in the moment, you know, you, yep. you've played it for X amount of hours. You have these feelings that you're having yep. and you don't get to sit back for a little and let it process. And, yep. you know, it's just like, Ooh, these are the feelings I'm having right now. These, it could go either way. And my age, kind of get know, what you get. Like, age better. And, and not to, <laughs> you know, be that guy. Like, obviously I stand by my behind my 95 for atomic heart. I'm probably today. If I thought back on some of the things, probably more of a 90 and that's just, having some hindsight on it i still stand behind my original score but you stand by what you said about it yeah stand by what i said yeah now that i've had a chance to process it probably maybe not as much that's okay yeah i uh (laughs) i think i gave my very first review paid review was just cause three for another site and at the time, like it was fantastic i love the ever freaking (laughs) crap out of just cause three i think i scored it an eight Probably looking back, probably seven. There were more technical difficulties that I thought were more of my machine than that game itself. And, the, and then I got a stronger machine. It was like, oh, no, it was the actual game, right? So you get you get into those kind of situations. I gave Mighty Number no. 9 an 8. I'm the highest score for Mighty Number no. 9. Uh, <laughs> and I... I thought the difficulty was fantastic. I got a lot of fun out of it. I'm a platforming, you know, action platforming kind of guy. Um, I felt in style. Uh, it, it wasn't, it wasn't Mega Man. And I didn't think it was supposed to be Mega Man. I thought it was supposed to kind of have a feel of it. And I thought it captured the feel of it and it was difficult. And it made me think and, you know, all that stuff was fun, but Everybody else, like, oh my god! But then you had some people who were like, "See, that's an honest review." <laughs> you know, it's just like, nah, man, it's just my opinion. I this this is what I felt when I played it. That's, so it's that person's opinion. That's what it is. Yep. Yep. I got. I talk about reviews all day. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. Um, all right. I have one more to throw. Oh yeah. I, oh yeah. I, I need you to did get say my, that. I, I was trying to, to I was like, I feel like something I, was, ha- okay. Yeah, yeah. Go. I need to just get this, uh, off my chest. Yeah, get off the chest. Um, so my, my homie in the destiny world, not, we're friends, but I just really like him and respect him as a creator and gamer, Datto, who many know in the Destiny community, put out a great video about uh, it was his final uh, stake on the topic um, as being an elitist in Destiny, and I think it expands into the gaming space as a whole um, that not everything in a game, especially online game, or could be single player, but mostly online, not everything should be accessible to everyone. There are certain goals, awards, incentives in games that should not be for everyone. For instance, I'm bringing it up because in the most recent um, raid race, the new raid for Lightfall, Root of Nightmares, way too easy for a contest mode in-game activity there were i believe the number was around forty-five thousand people beat it over the first two days which is more than i believe he said all of d1 and d2 rates combined and the people who were saying that the rate which was too by the easy, way let me add context to that they extended contest mode to 48 hours where this is the second time that's happened previously was 24 hours that was it and and even if you took you know, you did it in half, you cut the number in half, it still is nowhere near the amount of day one clears. And so everyone who was talking about the game being too hard or uh, the raid being too hard, I should say, the game being too easy, the raid being hard, um, people attacked content creators and saying like, hey, the game needs to be available to everyone. Everyone should be able to get a day one raid clear. Um, everyone should get that emblem, uh, that gear, that coveted gear for day one. And, and it no, no, it is in-game <laughs> aspirational content. Not everyone should be able to get certain things in games, whether it be skill level or time management. In the sense of like, if you can't make it, FOMO, sorry. Like that's, yeah, not not everything needs to be available to everyone. So that'll put out a great video on it uh, that I recommend everyone go watch. And, you know, it can be, you know, put into multiplayer games too. Like, I don't care how good you think you are. If you don't belong in a certain rank, you do not deserve to be in that rank. You should not yes. get that coveted title, you know, the little picture icon beside your gamer tag. Just because you want it doesn't mean that you should have it. So that's my little piece. I need to get that off my chest because I, I just really appreciated that putting that video out. <laughs> I agree with that in concept. I don't agree with it all the way, though. Uh, when it comes to something like desert, here's why the 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 raid is a special thing it's supposed to be done with groups of people and all that. At the end of the day, what is Bungie's objective? And this is where people okay. start to get off on their idea of what's accessible, what shouldn't be accessible. What is Bungie's objective? We need to get their thought on what their objective is. If their objective is we do want more people to be able to complete this day one. Everybody else got to shut up. 
Sorry. That's, that's their objective. You can't disagree with it. I'm sorry. You can disagree with it. You, you cannot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. You got to live with it. Thank you. <laughs> so, um, the, I, I, when it comes to something like skill or anything like that, uh, I am 100% with the idea. Like, yeah, if you can't reach it, Hey, sorry. You know, Hey, you can't, you can't play it. Not everybody can play in the NBA. Sorry. You know, that's just kind of how it works. Not everybody can play in the NFL. Not, not everybody can reach top 500 in Overwatch. Not everybody can reach top 500 in Call of Duty. It's just the way it is. Whether it's your skill, whether it's your intellect, whether it's whatever the case may be. Hey, you ain't got it. You ain't got it. But when we're talking about something where it is puzzling, clear, doing that kind of stuff. What was about the raid? Like, you just have to ask the question, what was it about the raid that made it so easy? Was it, it, and I'm, and I'm not asking you right now, but you know, I'm having the community look back and go, okay, what was it about this raid that was so easy compared to uh, the last one in the witch queen, which was actually fairly difficult. A lot of puzzle solving, a lot of coordination. I think that was one of the best raids there because it had all those elements. It was not an easy raid to finish. But yeah, this one was, and we're equating it to Bungie's trying to allow more people to do day one finishes. Eh, maybe. Or maybe it was just easy and Bungie just didn't land it this time, which is, I don't blame them because it's really hard to make a new raid every year that is just like mentally fatiguing and <laughs> challenging and a great puzzle and also tells lore elements and, you know, does all these other different things. Like the fact that they've done so many so well great it's probably about time they fall flat on their face on a raid but to say oh so many people did it okay well maybe that's just a design fault more than Bungie was just trying to make it easy so but then I have to ask why are we salty about that what's the big deal like do you feel like you're losing your exclusive status or something like is I I don't I, that part I don't like at some point I have to question why do you feel like you have to get this like you complete every raid day one anyway what's it to you if 10,000 more people do like how do you lose out on that I I think it's more about instead of like if they can get in earn it that's cool I think it's more they felt like especially in this one and it can go into the other gaming uh, genres as well, but they felt it was too easy and they wanted, because we're strongest characters in games for the most part, and they wanted a difficulty to just, like if I'm going into a day one rate on contest mode, which is supposed to be penultimate difficulty yep. in a game, and this Very translates difficult. to any any other game, you know, yeah, I, I don't want to be able to just run through it. I want it to beat me into the ground in difficulty so that when you do beat it, you do get that icon, but the elitism, like, hey, look what I achieved because of the level of difficulty. Yes, it, yes, it feels I feel good. like when, yeah. it's, when, I, when it's diminished or if it's not the level that you're accustomed to, I think that plays a big part in it. While other people are happy and they feel like that gap's narrowed, in a good way, a lot of people felt it was narrowed in a bad way. 
if that makes sense. So I, I don't know, I am just on the side of there, I like there being things so difficult in games that not everyone is able to because it gives that specific activity, rank, emblem, whatever you call it, it gives it meaning. Uh, yeah. If that makes sense. Uh, it, it ultimately makes I, you feel like, good. Yeah. The elitism. Yes. Um, I would just say that's not everybody. Uh, so extending it to 48 hours was probably the, you know, the first straw for people, right? So, oh, it gives more people time to, mm-hmm. to finish contest mode day one. Um, and so, like, I, I get that, but Destiny isn't just people who sit on their computer all day or their console all day playing the game. Like, there are people who do, who grind just as much. Uh, well, maybe not just as much, but they get to they get the gear. They do they grind what they need to grind in order to do the raid, and then they do it in such a way to where they actually do all the communication and stuff. They just don't have time to do it all within the first twenty four hours. Okay, so what? You got to do it in the first twenty four hours. Maybe if you got a badge that said first twenty four hours, great. Okay, how does that make you feel? Right, like at the end of the day. I just don't understand the idea of, okay, more people finished it. I don't like that. <laughs> like, wait, what? Like, th- that's what you're saying. I don't like that more people finished it, right? There's a marathon, I, and some people finished it in two hours. Some people finished it in five. They finished it. Okay. I, it's it's not that I, and I probably can't explain this very poorly, but yeah. I'm fine with more people completing it as long as the difficulty of said activity was the same. Whereas with the most recent raid, I feel like it was lowered to allow more people to complete it in that set time span. Do we Um, know that's the reason though? Bro, did did you watch Root? There were two people could do the entire encounter. No, do we know that's the reason why they made it easier? Is so that more people can complete it. Day I don't one. think they. I don't think that they necessarily uh, intended to make it easier on purpose. They just kind of did. Right. Um, so if you watch any of the raid uh, encounters, uh, six man activity in Val, it's felt like for pretty much all activities, at least four to five players were given a role. Oh yeah, yeah, three yeah, to five, yeah, yeah. and. Root. I did vow. It was hard. <laughs> it was in in root. You literally two people would do the mechanic, and the rest could just add clear. Because the mechanics were very, were much more simpler. It was kind of like connect the dots essentially. So it was much less of a mechanically taxing. There was no DPS checks on any of the raid bosses. Hmm. Legit DPS yeah. set checks. Um, there were people on contest mode. I don't know if you saw this. Rat King, which is a sidearm, a primary sidearm, with six Rat Kings, killed Nezrak on contest mode within the first 48 hours. So, like I said, they might not have intended to, but they did. And it just yes. kind of sparked this whole, you know, 
should casuals get access be should rates be more accessible to everybody in terms of make them a little bit easier or should they keep the previous difficulty um and so the reason i brought this up is hopefully because it's such a hot topic right now hot topic right now we'll get some controversial views <laughs> so <laughs> so some of that clout that david hates on twitter yeah, uh, i when we so as a person who makes opinions literally on gaming trend pretty much as much as possible i got four videos out this week <laughs> two of them on oh, destiny yeah, yeah. yeah you were um, you were no holds bar on destiny my guy yeah um so when anyone comes up with an opinion that they want to voice it has to be backed up with some sort of evidence to suggest this is why my opinion exists and this is why i think i'm right right mm -hmm. when we talk about root of nightmares and the difficulty if there is no evidence to suggest that bungie is moving raids in a direction to make it so easy so that people can finish contest mode on day one which i don't think there is a bevy of evidence to suggest that now we're just speculating and when yeah, you start speculating that's unfair that is an unfair uh thing to put on bungie because there's not much evidence except moving it to 48 hours that's the only thing i've seen bungie do to make raids easier to complete day one whatever the case may be uh, contest mode was well, co contest mode extended 48 hours to finish within contest mode time everything else Val was not an easy raid, right? No. The Beyond Light raid was not in, I mean, it wasn't as hard as Val, but it wasn't easy. This is literally the easiest raid, I think, in Destiny history. And it, that's an anomaly. Flagship, flagship expansion it is just because there are like barely any mechanics, no DPS checks. Um, and I, I don't know if you saw, I watched the world's first race. Uh, the world. I'm in the middle Which, of watching it, so I haven't finished it. So, um, don't spoil the one, but one, we are much stronger as characters and stuff. Power creep is insane in this game. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the world's first raid for Root was two and a half hours. Yep. Which that's, is insane. That's the one I'm watching, yes. Yeah, insane. <laughs> um, it looks like yeah, they're I, speed running it on the first try. Yeah, th and this is in a contest mode. Like they, yeah. no team showed any fear in the encounters. There was no playing Agreed. for life, you know. Agreed. So that I, um, I've seen some people talk about Bungie's philosophy, and they'll never say this because they can't. But there, there is a shift in terms of what they want the difficulty in their combat to be. And if you can be checked, like Legend Lost sectors. Master Nightfalls this time this season uh, after Lightfall with the changes in difficulty that made Master Nightfall not Grandmaster just Master difficulty Nightfalls are more the enemies are more lethal than what they were in contest mode of a new raid right so this this is this is my point with with these opinions that are coming out is that this raid is an anomaly. Because if you look at what Destiny is doing, everything else is hard, yet the raid is easy. Bungie messed up. Like, that 
that's the only conclusion you could come up with because if the master law sectors and all that are harder, which I, I read Paul Tassi's thing on that, he was like, it might be a little too hard. Um, those, mm-hmm. those, uh, out, outside raid activities that are on, you know, legend and master and all that, uh, the grandmasters, yeah, or the, 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 what's the level before master night grandmaster nightfall masters. Yeah. yeah so are. the master nightfall. Yeah. He's like, I wouldn't even, I don't know, even know what I would do. I'll grandmaster. Like it's, it's kind of crazy. So you have that. And then the conclusion is, oh, Bungie's trying to make the game easier or the raids easier. But it's like, wait, the whole rest of the game is difficult. How how are they? It's, it's how weird. how is their philosophy on difficulty changing when they actually tried to make the game more difficult? Well, they they the reason why the philosophy changed. Um, a lot of people are thinking is, you know, people used to before Lightfall and the difficulty difficulty adjustments. Um, the raids were some of the hardest difficulty yes. in the game, of course. And meanwhile there are majority of players able to pretty easily run Grandmaster Nightfalls with no fear because yes. they weren't right. arms. And so now, and you know, just running strikes, you would just brain dead run three strikes. Yes. Not a care, not fight, you know, not worry about anything. Lost sectors, very casual. Thank now you. everything yep. is more the rest of the game is harder while the raid was really easy. So it's just, it's kind of confused us <laughs> as little children of Bungie. So <laughs> I, I think it's more, we're just concerned. Uh, and like you said, it could be yes. an anomaly. It could be, but it is, it is literally an anomaly because it's the only raid that's like this. I, well, I think Lightfall or uh, the final shape, I, I think will, uh, well, no, we're getting a reprise uh, raid this year. So, depending on the difficulty of that, I think we can determine whether it's you know a full thing. Yes, if so. the, yes at that point, if it, that if it were easy, then we can start having the opinion that Dado is having now. That's fine, but right now it's too early. There's not enough information to support that opinion, so it shouldn't even be put out there because it is exclusionary. Like that kind of opinion is exclusionary. For no reason, because if Bungie messed up, which is entirely possible because they messed up Lightfall, so it's it wouldn't be impossible for them to have messed up the raid and made it too easy. Not intention, but that's what happened. So that that's the only thing you can lead with. Lightfall didn't really hit. Neither did the raid. Okay, I, let's see what happens with the next one. I think the... Now, oh, now I'm going to go make an opinion video on this. Thanks to you. <laughs> hey, I do what I can. Yeah, I do. What I can. Um, no, I, I'll, I'll kind of round it off with. I think the main reason why a lot of, of us hardcore Destiny players very into the game and stuff like that, the reason why we are voicing our concerns now is so that Bungie can take this feedback and address it going forward to make sure um, and they can see why we're concerned. And also, if they want to change that philosophy, that's their game. They have every right to do so. But that way, we at least know. Yes. And, and if they do this again, if they do this again, we're like, okay, cool. Like, you know, game philosophy is changing. We have to change with it. Like, the, the specific raid content that we used to tout 
and flex on our characters because hey we did this super hard um mode of a game mode uh or version of a game mode yeah that's kind of gonna have to go away so as long as you know we can voice our concerns and they can get the feedback yes. from it they can either address yes. it or be like nah bro we're doing our game how we want to which is fine but yeah i i'm very curious to see how this raid reprisal race goes but yeah it's a good topic i also <laughs> kind of focused it more on destiny to give david a little break because <laughs> boy you did talk for lot. 40 minutes almost yeah. at the beginning um last thing i will say about that is i don't care if bungie makes raids more accessible i want to make that very clear more accessible as long as the fundamentals of what makes a raid great are not lost so skill right thinking intellect teamwork if a raid is more accessible for people who may not have been able to uh participate in them before but yet it still is challenging it still takes teamwork it still takes intellect it takes skill anybody can do it i don't care go ahead day one go for it but if 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 we're saying that you know only fully abled people should be able to do it that's not ground i'm not willing to walk across walk on nope not that one so if that is going in that direction do not agree with that sentiment at all but you know again i'm all for the idea of you know not everybody can make it into the nba i'm for the idea of not everybody may be able to complete the raid but it should be based on they just didn't have it it was not but, good enough. yes i'm fine with that uh, all right. Well, we've that took a long time. Do we still want to do our last game? You up for it? I need to go to bed. I have a store okay. opening tomorrow. <laughs> oh, you're opening tomorrow. That's right. All right. We'll save it next for later week. then. We'll save it for later. <laughs> yeah. Next um, time on Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll save it for later. Stop in the uh, middle of the yell. <laughs> all right. Well, since David's got a store to open tomorrow, which congratulations on that. That sounds really cool. Opening a store. I've never opened a store before. So, um, all right. That'll do it for us. Appreciate you watching. Appreciate you listening. We will be back next week. Deuces. Peace out.